Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, here we go. Four o'clock hour. A lot to get to. A lot to uh, recap from hour number one. Welcome in uh, Reno, ESPN Reno, ESPN Las Vegas. Adam Hill is here as the company. Ari is running things. It's Steve Cofield. Before we get to the big four, a couple of things to mention from the convo we just had. So we had on one of the guys who covers uh, Boise, local TV guy, uh, Jay, Jay Tust, um, who I just happened to be watching. You know, I was watching some of their local news, and he told a funny story about uh, going out to cover all the different high school championships in uh, Idaho and he had a still shot of a girls basketball championship and then he had this long lead in but basically it was to tell everyone I'm sorry I don't have video of this one but I got back and my memory card was erased I was like that's good stuff on TV pull back the curtain pull back the curtain but yeah the vibe the vibe in Boise with the that program is weird Um, I don't think it's Leon Rice related because they don't believe he's Wani in fact I do think in the case of now San Diego State, I don't know if it's happened yet at Nevada, but in the case of San Diego State and Boise, the crowd reflects the coach. And I think that used to happen at New Mexico, but I didn't notice it as much this time when New Mexico had Alford, because Alford works the refs pretty hard. But Dutcher and Rice complain on almost every call and non-calls and I think the crowd sees that, and they react the same way. And it was funny, at the end of that spot with Jay, he mentioned, I posted a picture of a guy with his arms up. Like, that guy stood up 100 times during the game and complained about every – like, he wanted to foul on every play, but none on Boise. None. They never did anything wrong. And you remember, that's the way New Mexico fans used to be when they'd come here. But I think it was because of offered. And people haven't noticed, but Brian Dutcher has become a different guy as a head coach. He complains about everything, and the crowd is – same way, like any foul. And San Diego State it, it plays bully ball. Frankly, so does Boise. That's why they're both good. That's why they're one two. But I do think there's some. You almost have to. I be, think you have to because yes. you have to let them know, like, hey, it, if you sometimes it's more effective if you say just complain once in a game, like, hey, I'm gonna really make it known right now. You really messed that up. Yeah. But sometimes the refs have to know, like, all right, if I've missed 20 calls that you're mad about, I guess at some point I'm gonna have to give you one. Like, mm-hmm. there is some refs that you have to do, and I, but I think every ref is different too. I think it's it's a it's a matter of f- feeling them out and figuring how you have to work them. Yeah, but I will and say that's from somebody who, by the way, when I coached an eighth grade middle school team, you uh, in a ten game season had thirteen techs. Um, <laughs> there was a there was a weird call down the stretch with seventeen seconds left. It looked like kind of a no call moment where Marcus Shaver tried to turn the corner against uh, Jordan McCabe, and McCabe was the one who kind of took a couple steps backwards because. Shaver cleared out with the left arm, which I'm I'm fine. Don't call a foul because by when he stopped, he was about 13 feet, and he was going to have to take a jumper there or get swarmed by the defense. And you know they called a foul, two free throws. It's up to five with 17 seconds left. That the game is over. Well, that, at that, point. that was a, a play that UNLV had decided to, to play defense instead of fouling early in the shot clock. So it was really co- particularly. Oh, it's crushing. a killer. Yeah. I mean, there's I there was probably four seconds left on the shot clock. Yeah. So. It was a killer at that moment. Yeah, so good brutal. thing I uh, when the the because uh, Jay just said there was a booster next to me who I took a picture of standing up and I was like this guy thinks there's you know 71 fouls today on the opposition. Um, there were a couple times he kept he was like clapping right in front of my face. Stuff. It'll be a professional. I wasn't going to do it. I w- I, w- I would have just stood up, kind of like, sorry, I have to get up. <laughs> just walk away. Hey, you just ignore it. 
Yeah. You don't have to pull what your boy uh, Ziegler did a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that one. No. He listed a litany of issues uh, in Reno when Nevada beat San Diego State and the kids rushed the floor. Because where you sit, the opposing media sits on the baseline in front of the students, and they rush the floor. And I guess he was very annoyed that they rushed the floor. He got a good quote out of Adam Seiko, one of the San Diego State players, basically saying, we don't do that, which I'm sure he spoon-fed him that because that's what he'll do. You know, because we've been there. We don't rush the floor. Then he complained about the stats not being on paper or something. I don't know. Some CBS sports cameraman bumped him. Like, who cares? It's a tough day. Yeah, you actually, like, you don't want to have people knock into you or, you know, get in the way of doing your job, but your job's not that important. You can adjust. Um, I'm more into like going to good games with good crowds and seeing good basketball, but I'm also still a sports fan. Sure. And also picking the right time is to rush the floor. Uh, you know, we can, we can argue about that. I don't think there is a right time. Weren't they, weren't they favored? Uh, they may have been a slight favorite. favorite. If, if, if you, if you are a favorite in a game, you do not rush the floor. Well, that that's, is that's you. You're, you're an old man. No, that's just that's just. If I'm if I'm 19 and I haven't been to a game where a top 25 team got knocked off in front of me, then my rules are different than yours. You've oh, seen this. You've been desensitized. I think my my favorite trend, by the way, is up to like 29 and 13 this year, of a uh, unranked teams at home favored over ranked teams. I think it's 29 and 13 this year. Crazy. There's two instances tonight too. So, do you bet? Sometimes you do. Okay, I don't know if you're betting college basketball. Well, I never know what's going on with you with wagering. Well, I can log into an app. I, I do. I think everything's good now. It is. I think it's got That's better. what I'm saying. That's why I'm betting now. Yeah. All right, big four time. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the big four at four. Number four. Well, as we mentioned in hour one, uh, a lot of people, especially old heads, came out of the NBA All-Star Weekend just mad. Like, I don't get it. They had a nice dunk contest. Mac McClung, if you didn't know who he was, um, you know who knows who Mac McClung is? The audience that the NBA wants, not us. He's been a legend, a legendary dunker, basically since he's 15 years old. When at one point he was a Big Ten commit and then decided to go to Georgetown and landed at, what, Texas Tech, he has been a viral sensation forever. And he put on an amazing show, and people came out of the weekend all angry, like, why isn't LeBron doing it? LeBron couldn't beat him. And if you and, and here's what would happen. LeBron would go out there at 38, and you'd be like, oh, it sucks! Like, okay, well, you're not going to be happy either way! Right. You're going to rip LeBron for not being as good as he was when he was 26. It was a great story. And you're right. Anybody that's paying attention, and anybody who has a TikTok account, knows how good McClung was. And, by the way, knew he was going to win. Yeah, that's a bet I should have got in. That was that he was he was the prohibitive favorite, and if Jericho Sims would have had a shot if he was more creative, I was actually thinking. See, if folks didn't watch it, Jericho Sims did one dunk where he had both elbows. First of all, his head, his entire head at six nine was above the rim, and I don't want to hear like, "Whoa, he's six nine. Larry Nance do that? No, Larry Nance did two like cup dunk. Believe me, I can do dunk contest all day long. Right? There's been big guys who've been in it before. No one has ever been able to jump. Like Jericho Sims, it's ridiculous. I actually, I would have advised—not that he needs my advice—I wonder, I wonder if Jericho Sims can jump for distance in addition to just straight vert. Like, wouldn't you think? Like, would he get a fifty if he dunked from the three-point line, the top of the key three-point line? 
Yeah, I think so. Or like, does everyone now, you know, you have to cradle stuff and rock it and tap it twice against the backboard, which all that stuff was awesome, man. It was great. It really was. When Mac McClung put one person on another person's shoulder, grabs it at the height, which I think they measured at seven foot nine, then does a reverse and taps it on the backboard. Like, what? Jordan and Dominique were better, though. Now, now, one thing that people got worked up about, Can, I, 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 do, I, I got. I do, I do want to point out, like to the point of the young, the youth or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know who the young columnist now is on 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 around the horn. I'm not sure who it is. He's great. Uh, he did this whole thing the other day before the dunk contest. Like, this is going to be amazing. Mac McClung gets the stage. Can't wait. This is going to be awesome. He's going to crush. And he just did the Please don't thing. tell me the rest of the crew. The, the old guys were like Woody Page and uh, whoever else was on so that Kevin day. Kevin Blackstone are or like the other guy from Dallas. And, like, uh, and you know, reality goes to them. Like, who, what do you think? Like, yeah, I agree with that, I guess. Like, they had no, no idea. Stop. Yeah, no idea. Like, I'll, t- I'll yeah, I'll pick him. Like, they just had no idea who was even in it. But that's the difference in the people that pay attention to young well, who's people. The audi- who, which audience should they be catering to? On that show? Like the No, no, no. The NBA and the, the dunk contest. The, the, 50, the 50 plus or under 30. The un- young people, of course. I, I agree. We don't matter. We don't. No. Now, what people do get mad about is seeing not only Carmelo in there, but an integral part of the dunk contest and kind of celebrated. I was mad about it. I, I When I looked up, I was like, wait, we're not done with this guy? But for a lot of, you know, it's funny. A lot of people still don't know the story. Because then I'm reading, uh, who is it? Um, was it Monica Curry, I think it is? She said, Carmelo's almost 60 years old. What happened 40 years ago when he was 20 isn't news. What happened 20 or 40 years ago when he was 20 was he impregnated a 13-year-old. So she finishes by saying, what's the point in continuing to revisit something like this? Is there no room for redemption, amends? Should he be forced to discuss uh, his past every time he's in front of the media? I mean, yeah, he's or open to it. Once, uh, also. By the way, the did he did he go to jail for this? No, because uh, there was a whole thing about the, like there was a please. Hey, he's from the neighborhood. Don't ruin his life. He's got a future ahead of him. Don't do this. That was a whole thing. And by the way, it wasn't. Well, then he paid his penance. It's not forty years ago because even even though they agreed to not press charges and go after him, he still wouldn't pay child support. He still fought it in court. Uh, that's a good he point. paid one hundred twenty-five dollars so a week. So he's a deadbeat or, dad. Or something, or something he's along a deadbeat those lines. dad. In addition to, of course. And then he had two other kids, twins. One, you know, a superstar female basketball player didn't acknowledge them either. Nice. Like this is not forty years ago. This is this is carrying in to adulthood. Yeah, I saw Sid Colson, WNBA, said you got to be trolling on the other lady who was like, "Let it go." Like, yeah. and then of course you get you get the comment in there about uh, cancel culture. This is not cancel culture. Consequence culture. He, he, Adam just laid it out for you. I started it with the twenty-year-old doinking a thirteen-year-old and impregnating her. That's gross. And then not acknowledging that child and multiple beyond that. Really, let it go. No room for forgiveness. No, there. You know what? There isn't in this case. No. 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 There's not. Sorry. But by the way, kind of harsh. By the way, the for- forgiveness usually comes after there's consequences. There's been no repercussions or consequences for this. I guess uh, public shaming, which is going back to that's the worst thing you could do to somebody, right. according to Dana White. Which hey, he you know, everybody knows this for the rest of his life. That's the consequence. He didn't seem very ashamed of it. He showed up for the dunk contest and showed up for All Star Weekend in Salt Lake to get honored. Get most of the love. Wild. Weird. Weird. Weird that they just let it go in Utah. Number three. So we mentioned Mac McClung and his coming out weekend. 
like we said, he's been a guy who's been going viral for eight years now. Here's a little exchange with uh, Shaq trying to give him a bit of a pep talk. Show. Nobody knows your name. Make them remember your name. And don't miss a dunk. All right, good luck, brother. All right, big fan of yours. Applause for Mac McClung, everybody. There you go, Mac McClung wins. So, and I hope they bring him back often. Derek Jones needs to be there. Yeah, He's former uh, former Rebel, who's an incredible leaper and a great dunker. I don't, you know what? I don't mind if they if they have a now. See, uh, this is where NBA players might back out. I think they should scour the world for the best dunkers. They should have an international dunker in there who doesn't play in the NBA. Scour TikTok, right? Yeah. That, is, that actually is a great place because there yeah. are some crazy dunks. I've never seen these people before. Can we get the uh, rotund white kid? Can we get him out I there? Thought there's the a, I, is there multiple? What, what, what's the nickname of that kid? Uh, well, we've come up with many of them for just through just through looking at him and coming up with your own names for him. Big Fork Four is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Offices in Henderson, Reno, and Las Vegas. 766-1400 is the number. Let's do a giveaway right now. 364-1100, 364-1100. Mount West Conference Tournament's coming to Las Vegas back at the Thomas & Mac. It's March 5th to the 11th. Caller 7 will get a pair of tickets, 364-1100. Uh, women's packages start as low as 75 bucks for all sessions. Men's tickets as low as 25 bucks for a session. Caller 7, 364-1100. These people going to heaven up Israel ain't nothing to do with this boring-ass city. Sounds boring. Boring ain't nothing to do with it. Oh, ladies, this is great. It's a great city, but ain't nothing to do with it. These people all going to heaven. Oh, my God. I've never ate so much room service in my life. Can't smoke, can't drink. These people going to heaven. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. I mean, that is the risk of doing events in Utah. And the funny thing is, Barkley's complaining there. I thought Shaq chimed in with, I've you know never had so much room service. Talking about nothing to do in Salt Lake. It's a billion percent better than it was probably 25 years ago. Uh, is it? Yeah, it is. I don't know. Before the Olympics? Yeah, the before they change before they loosen the drinking rules, it still it still is what it is. I didn't think it was. <laughs> I didn't think it was terrible. I, there was a good bar district. Right. Yeah, it's it's fine. But if you live in Utah, you live there for a reason. There's a choice you made. You can't get mad when people come from the outside and there's they say there's nothing to do. So yeah, it's a quieter place for the it most is. part. It is, and some people like that. I don't. It's not, my, it's not my favorite. And, you know, for me, most, most of everything now is weather. It's weather-related. So Try to find something it, to do at it, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. We, uh, you know, it's funny. Um, UNLV basketball was at Boise, so we got to, I got to hang out two nights in Boise. And they have, around the school, they have a good bar district. Now, it, on Sunday night, a lot of it was closing down by 11 o'clock. But it seems, like seems like a decent town. Um, I, again, though, the, the weather for me is a – is a game breaker. Um, it was funny on the flight back. I had a guy sitting behind me, and there was an Australian woman sitting next to him, and I could hear the conversation. First, he went into like chatting her up about Australian news, and a lot of it she was like, "I don't even know what you're talking about." And he was like, oh, "I travel the world," and then and then he then he went into his whole rant about how Idaho is awesome, but everyone's moving there, and it's slowly getting ruined. 
and then started you know laying into Nevada and California. And I'm like, don't don't do that to the lady. Like give her give her both sides of the story, not your freaking skewed view of I'm, things. All I take away from that story is I really want to know why an Australian woman was in Boise. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't see a ton of Australian tourists. Uh, the two that I've been around in the past, the thing that I'm fascinated by is, and I think part of it is the culture of vacations or holidays go the ar- around the rest of the world. They actually get lots of vacation, unlike mm. this country. It's crazy. And But when they go from Australia, because it's such a long trip, it's like a two-week or three-week journey. Has to be. And she had been, she had said she was going, she was going back, like, whatever, the next day or something, and she had been here for two weeks. Only an idiot would go to Australia and come back four days later. Like me. You did that, and you didn't <laughs> like it because you didn't get to see anything, and you, you thought it was very westernized, right? It was very boring. It was, it was barely, basically America. Yeah, very sterile. As I, of- as I have said, I stayed at a Holiday Inn, and I was next to a McDonald's and a Krispy Kreme. I was like, well, this is Australia? Wait, I flew how far? Like, what, what are we doing? 7-Eleven uh, was next door, too. Okay. Like, what are we doing? But your dad would love that. <laughs> My, that's how my dad would roll. Yep. My dad was in Japan for a month and ate only at McDonald's and TGI Fridays. Unreal. I've had some relatives of sort come and just eat chain restaurants here. It's like, what's the point? I went to Australia to try to find an Outback. Couldn't find one. Please. You're lying. I never heard that part. No, I didn't. of course not. All right, so as a quarterback carousel spins here, and it could spin real fast once uh, Aaron Rodgers is out of the dark retreat, the dark room. I think he's out. Okay. Sources close to Aaron Rodgers have told <laughs> me he's out. Darren Waller, as a source... Cited multiple people he spoke to, the uh, Raiders tight end, as hearing that the Raiders really, really, really believe they were getting Tom Brady. Yeah. Now, what I'm, have you heard? I'm still so. Yes, they did, but but there there always was their belief was if he plays, he's coming. They weren't convinced he was playing another year, so I think that was the caveat. But I also like the the Darren Waller story was written a little bit strange, and I think interpreted. Uh, and aggregated. That's one of the issues with aggregation now, too, out there. Uh, I think a lot of people picked up on this uh, Darren Waller comment. I believe the original comment Darren Waller was talking about in 2020. And so, like, I think that's what he meant. But, yes, in this instance. Oh, okay. In this instance that. Because you you know how it's being digested. Of course, yeah. That they're, like, they're no man's land now. Like, they they don't have a backup. They thought they were getting Tom Brady. They're shocked. They, They, look. The Raiders, in my mind, from people close to the team that I've talked to, their belief was if Tom Brady plays, he's coming here. But they're always they always had that thought. There's a very good chance he retires. Like they knew that. Like again, people that are are forgetting why this was a possibility. It's because Josh McDaniels is incredibly close with Tom Brady. So I think Tom Brady was pretty honest with him. Like, hey, I'm coming there if I play. And so they always knew they had to have potential backup plans. And I, I think that all along they did. And I always believed Aaron Rodgers was one of them, but they knew that there was going to be obstacles to getting Aaron Rodgers, including the salary and the the what you'd have to give up to get him from the Packers. And um, do you want to go all in on a quarterback when you probably have a long, you know, a long road to try to go to, to, to contention? Uh, if you get him, you don't have other players. You know, people talk about the salary cap that the Raiders have, and they have plenty of cap space. They also don't have a quarterback, a running back, a right tackle, and several positions on defense right now. So, like, yeah, you have cap space, but you also have a ton of starting positions that aren't filled. So that's going to fill up pretty quickly. And so Rodgers is a possibility, I think. I think they're starting to maybe back away from that a little bit. They certainly have the options of Jimmy Garoppolo out there. I think 
The one that has been thrown out and tossed about a little bit, but I think there's more possibility than people think is Mac Jones being available, which I don't know that I would do that if I was the Raiders. And you've also got the potential of drafting a guy and bringing back Jarrett Stidham, although Jarrett Stidham is going to be in demand now too after the way he played at the end of the year. So Will he be offered a starting job anywhere else? Are the, are the chairs all going to get full? And just, people are going to be looking up, like two teams will be looking up and going, you know, Stidham's not a bad option. Is there really competition to be the starter? I think, doesn't it make a ton of sense in Houston? I mean, he's a Texas guy. They, you know, Casario is there who, you know, was, was there with Stidham in New England. Um, they're going to have, I'm sure they're going to draft somebody and he would be a, a good, you know, bridge quarterback for a couple of years. So I think it makes a ton of sense there. So I think there's, there's places there, there's places where he could potentially be a starter for sure. And maybe Las Vegas is one. I mean, it would make sense if the Raiders are to draft a quarterback in the first round or even the second round to bring Stidham back and be a bridge starter. Like those, those are possible too. The The issue that they have is that they probably should be building for two or three years from now. But if they do that, they might not be around this, this administration. So they've got to try to find a way to win games. So the X, Derek Carr, so we refer to him as the X. Jilted. Well, while we should be, we should be worried. We should be worried about who our next guy is going to be. We're worried a lot about the X. Uh, he was in New York to visit the Jets. Um, and as I told you before, much of the New York media is uh, kind of naive, and it's because it's very insular. That's what they cover. They cover New York, right? They cover New Jersey. They cover those scenes, and a lot of them don't watch sports outside of the market. So a lot of them haven't covered Derek Carr before. And as I was joking earlier, if in your city you want to know about Derek Carr, you talk to guys like Adam Hill. You talk to some other good writers, you know, like Vic Tafer, who know – you know, in front of the camera and behind the scenes, what Derek Carr is like and what Camp Carr is like. I'm not saying it's all bad. But for Tiki Barber to go on radio on WFN in New York and, like, I don't think this was a bit, throw it out there that, hey, the Jets need to grab him now and not wait. Like, I don't think you understand what Camp Carr is going to do, what Derek Carr is going to do. Or maybe it's just a New York arrogance. Like, just grab him now. Do not let Derek Carr leave because Listen. I don't think you can put your eggs in the basket of Aaron Rodgers, and it it just feels so uncertain with Aaron Rodgers. Okay, and there's certainty with Derek Carr? There's certainty that he that he wants to be here. How do you know that? Potentially wants well, to be How do we know here. he's not just playing the Jets for somebody else? Yeah, because he's I a I don't think agent. Derek Carr wants to he come to New do, York, New he Jersey. He can do whatever he wants, Derek I don't Carr. think he wants he to. He could go back and visit the Saints again. He could go the visit Panthers the Panthers. will be on the docket at some point. Yeah. Buccaneers. There's tons of them. The we Giants will lose week. Derek. There are a ton of places he could go. The first place he chose to visit, he comes to the New York Jets. Yes. Well, they mentioned the Saints. New Orleans. Yeah, they they mentioned the Saints. It was cut out. The the qualifier was, you know, the the first place he chose to visit without getting permission, where he didn't need permission, was New York. I just think that's the way the calendar fell. Yeah, absolutely. And Brandon Tierney, who does the show on FAN with Tiki, kind of nailed it in the middle there, like, without really expanding on it. Um, Derek Carr is no more trustworthy than... Aaron Rodgers. No. It, and I, it, this is not a, like, I'm not, this isn't a judge. I'm not talking about, like, in his life. Like, I would never tell one of them a secret, right? They'd let it out. No, what I mean is, you don't know what their goals are. And I fully believe Derek Carr is going to visit just about every spot that, that has some interest to him. 
and he's going he is going to ride out this official visit thing and be courted and be loved and like the hype in every city and most importantly he's coming out of a 9 year relationship yeah. this isn't i mean like real life this is you know you're not you shouldn't be freaking committing or getting married to the rebound by the way he should you you got you got to play the field a little bit and look around yeah he should be going to all these places and he should be talking to all them and he should be doing this by the way and he's the really the only free agent out there right now Everybody else is technically under contract until March 13th, so he's the only guy. He can go out and do whatever he wants. We talk about a frenzy, potentially. You want to create the frenzy. Maybe there's some misnomers about you. You want the frenzy to be created. Get people lathered up, and you need multiple teams and organizations in a bidding war. And I think you kind of referenced it, but I think the, the confidence issue of like, hey, I need to know that there's teams that really want me out there and they love me. Um, oh, if he, if he goes somewhere, I mean, they, I mean, I think it's kind of a joke the way they put it, but, you know, the goal is – to go somewhere with a you know a stable owner coach organizational relationship like there, there are very few places that are stable. If they need a quarterback, they're probably not stable. Exactly. Uh, more importantly to me, do you know? Have you been to Fiorino Restaurante on Maple Street in Summit? That's where they went. That's where they went. To so he got he got Italian food in New Jersey in Summit, New Jersey. Yeah. Oh wow, okay, That's yeah. funny, interesting. You never been there? That's a staple of thirty years. I hear. I haven't been there. No. Okay. That's funny, though. Good reviews. Jersey, not New York, huh? 4.6. That's weird. You yeah, talk 4. to New Yorkers, that's all they talk about is themselves. It's weird how it works out that way. On the way back, David Carr on NFL Network. I don't know why he keeps doing this. I don't know why they let him have the mic. This is, It really is absurd when you hear it, but he gives the account of what Derek Carr is looking for, what the Jets are all about, and uh, he makes it, he states it plainly. It's going to take a while. It's Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno. All right, so New York, New Jersey, Jets fans geeking out over Derek Carr. It's an interesting story, but they have to understand, Adam, that he's not going to decide right away. That's not the way this is going to work. Here's David Carr on NFL Network talking about his brother. Yeah, Derek had a great trip, so he went there to to get a feel for how they work, you know, from the top down. and. Everyone he met, and we knew he would love Robert Sala. I've known yeah. Robert for a while. MJ knows Robert. He's fantastic, and they hit it off, and they they would love to work together. But there's a lot of questions that have to be asked. I think the most important thing for him as a veteran quarterback, what is it going to be like as an offensive play caller and a quarterback in that relationship? Todd Downing is there. He has a relationship with Todd. Nathaniel Hackett is also there. So how does all that work? Yeah, they're important questions. You have a chance to hit the restart button, and you know they're, Camp Carr are the ones who have been – you know, disturbed by the lack of security in Vegas and Oakland down the stretch and different coaching staffs and, you know, on low character personnel that have, you know, potentially taken the organization down. He's had to deal with all that. So you want to go somewhere where you trust him and you know the quarterback coach and the OC and the head coach are going to be behind you. Do you do that at an Italian dinner? Is that what you were suggesting before we went to break? That yeah. you, you go break bread and you can really find out about people? Yeah, and that somebody, you know, user – Threw up a uh, some just random Twitter person threw up a picture of them having their little meal and Derek looked very happy and what was it Fiorino's Fiorino and and Summit yeah okay looking at the menu looks 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 decent yeah. I don't know about the uh, the fries coming with the New York steak seems weak you know, that'd be my last side. choice not too expensive though for that area I would imagine forty four bucks for a steak you know what's funny the more you travel now you realize Vegas has gotten crazy yeah like I was. In Phoenix, I'm like, hmm, it's pretty cheap here. Yeah. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't go downtown. I went to local restaurants. I was like, eh, good prices. Sure. Boise was the same way. I'm like, God dang, this place has gotten. We got a little crazy with our restaurants yeah. here. I think so. Now, 
I, I will go back to 44 Northern Jersey for a steak at a good Italian place. All right. Yeah. Well, we think it's good. The reviews are good. Could have been crap. I would imagine where they, you know, if they're going to take them somewhere, it's probably going to be pretty good. You would think. Not too far from the team facility. You know, Florham Park, I think is what the... Florham Park is the facility. Uh, I will say, did you notice David Carr's attire as he did that monologue? Um, Did he wear green? He wore a green tie. Oh, my God. What are we doing? He's playing the game, right? Of course. Because I noticed, I did see people were saying it. I thought they were talking about Derek Carr, but no, David Carr... So here's here's David Carr talking about the timeline. They have a lot of good components. There's a lot of things that are very positive about the Jets. He had a great trip, so it's going to be a long process, though. There's He really only has the Saints, the Raiders, and the Jets to kind of compare those three places. And so he wants to do his due diligence and see as many places as he can to get a feel for what the best place for him. They love this so much. Who does Camp Carr? Yep. And this is why there's not going to be a decision. This is another reason there's no decision coming within a couple of days. And to Tiki Barber's point, like, why wait around for Aaron Rodgers? Camp Carr could take just as long. They, there's there's a fickleness, you know, and there's a background about, you know, Derek Carr and Camp Carr. I'm not saying it, it equals he, Aaron Rodgers because he's he enjoys the drama as well now with his weekly radio spots with McAfee. But, um, the, you know, the, the other thing I thought was really interesting is sources. Sorry to move on real quick, but sources said uh, Derek Carr, quote, completely erased all concerns about personality meshing in New York during his visit. Oh, did he? <laughs> in, in, how, the frig would, how the frig would you know? He, he made a nice comment about the about the food, and they're like, "Yeah, this is our kind of guy." Okay, <laughs> what, how, you know, how? you know when you know when he completely erases all questions about meshing with New Jersey and New York when there's following, adversity. Yeah, following three losses and media people coming at him, busting his chops. That's when you find out because because yeah. that ain't easy. It's easy to sit at a nice Italian right. dinner and be like, oh, look, this guy's really fitting he loves well it here. here. He's going to blend in perfectly. When they're, when they're in a corner at Fiorino's. Hey, Derek, you suck. You know, after they after they lose a close game where he plays well. What if they went to that fault. same dinner and they lost four straight games? Right. That's what you get to know. I mean, give me a break. He completely. Who, who writes that? Well, someone probably said it. Like you say all the time, it doesn't just because something sourced doesn't mean the person giving you the story knows what the hell they're talking about. So I'm sure someone, you know, after it passed through 12 people, oh, he completely erased it. Well, that, that's not even possible to do that. Stupid. This hour is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Alert, 766 1400. Field and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with Sammy P. Sammy P. All right, let's bring in Sammy P. Sam Peniatovich, a gambling expert, of course, does analysis for Nesson, writes for Fox Sports as well. Sam, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, pal. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Um, I'm going to go off the uh, the beaten path here to start. Did uh, did any of us bet the XFL this weekend? Are we going to bet the XFL? No. How come? I don't have an edge. I don't know the players or the teams or the coaches. And, and honestly, this is that time every year, you know, my bosses want to do NFL, NFL, NFL from August until February. And then it's basically let's cycle into college basketball. So um, I pretty much go where the, uh, where the water is, if you will. And uh, I guess nobody really has an appetite for the XFL. Now, uh, my bosses at Fox are, are going to turn that up when we get to the USFL because those games are, uh, are on the network. But no, nobody, uh, nobody in a position of power or of editorial control 
I, I asked this for a reason. Uh, did you watch the games at all? No. So I, I, I ask it because they are all in on doing the broadcast centered on gambling. Like the if you look at the score bug on the screen, it has the line on it. Uh, if you listen to the commentators, they talk about, "Hey, look here! If they score this, if they score this touchdown, they might want to go for two. That will help them in terms of how they position themselves, but it might hurt the under betters. Like they are all in on talking about it. I, I don't think they're they're nuanced enough yet to really, you know. I think they're trying so hard, they're not there yet. But I do think it could. It's something that could be beneficial to other broadcasts going forward of learning like how much to actually talk about it, how much to go in on it when you're doing a broadcast, how much the you know the viewer really wants to hear that. But they are at least trying to incorporate it a lot in the broadcast. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation, you know, because I think these leagues have to do something to differentiate themselves. And when I was working in Vegas at Decent, we had the Arena League at the time, and we were doing some of their games, and we did some betcasts. So not only talking about gambling, but hey, let's do this entire broadcast dedicated to not only pregame betting, but in-game betting and sort of monitoring the lines as the games change. And look, I don't think America is ready for Fox, CBS, NBC to do a full-throttle gambling broadcast, but I think these executives at the bigger companies are definitely going to be paying attention to the conversations that are being had on the air, because it's, it's ridiculous to ignore the elephant in the room. I mean, we saw the figures from the AGA. We talked about them on this program. You know, $16 billion, legal and illegal, wagered on one football game, Super Bowl. So there's an appetite for gambling, and, and definitely gambling on football. Um, I, I don't think that, you know, the NFL is going to completely copy what the XFL is doing, but if you can get the right idea or two, and weave in a conversation about gambling into a broadcast, whether it be this year or next year, I think you have to have that conversation because, you know, I watch a lot of NFL, probably more than I should, and the most boring conversation is when we review a play for three minutes and you ask a, a guy who's basically in bed with the officials and says, oh, the officials are right. It's like, okay, let's take that three-minute review, review process and let's give a minute 30 or, or two minutes to the official guy and then let's give a minute to the gambling guy and, and discuss what the live line is, what the live total is, yep. where these markets have moved, and follow some props. Hey, Patrick Mahomes has 270 passing yards. His over-under is 298. He needs 19 more yards. I think we need to have those conversations, and the help of the XFL will help us get where we have to go. Yeah, that's why I think it's important for people to watch the XFL because this is where they're trying it out. Even the strategy stuff that you could bet on, I mean, there were some good scenarios this weekend, right, Adam, with the two, three, and what, five-point conversion, and then the, the fourth and 15 versus the onside? It was one, two, three, and then, yeah, but... Did I say five? Know, yeah, one, two, three. Yeah, so they one, got, two, and three. So who, St. Louis got a three? Uh, yeah, and then, you know, Rod Woodson chose to go for two and a tie instead of three in the win at the end of the game, which made no sense. And after the game, he said, I, I messed that up. You screwed it up, yeah. Yeah, I messed that up. But how many, you know, here's the thing. How many coaches would do that? Most would, would you know, puff out their chest and be like, you know, I used the card. Like, no, you didn't. You blew it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have. I really do think, you know, when we watch a football game in 2025 or 2026, it will be a lot different than it is in 22 and 23 because we will have more gambling. As we know, the NFL is more in bed with sports betting and, and hell, the Super Bowl is going to be in Las Vegas next year. So we can't really ignore it anymore. 
Um, but I, I think there's a way to do it graphically, you know, with an L bar or, you know, bottom thirds or yeah. whatever during the game. We can rotate stats and trends and, and odds. And then you have to put somebody on, on the broadcast that, that sort of knows. And the question is, you know, do you put a better or a bookmaker or, or both, you know? And I, I think it's going to be funny to watch this play out because there are going to be some clowns in the space that, that shouldn't be on TV that end up making it on yep. TV. But as long as we can have these conversations, uh, I think it's, it's full throttle go. Sam Paniotovich is with us. Yeah, you guys do a good job on Ness and Betts. With the uh, the bar around the screen, I was watching Daily Wager a little bit uh, whenever it was yesterday, and there were a couple things that they threw up there, and I'm like, ooh, I didn't even know that was open for betting. So uh, good stuff and gets conversation starting. Um, gambling just went live with you guys in mass just a little while ago, and I saw on uh, Ness and you guys were talking about the Celtics and the betting there. What's going on with the Celtics for the Eastern Conference now for the odds? It's getting ridiculous, man. I mean, we're talking about a team that is even money at the Encore Boston Harbor. That's a win bet shop out here in Mass. Even money to win the Eastern Conference. And and it's not the only shop that has them that low. I mean, several American books have the Celtics plus 110, plus 115. I think Caesars in Vegas has plus 135. Um, but when you think about that Mass, that implies basically a 50% chance. I mean, if you're going to deal even money on a team to do something, that implies a 50% shot. If I flip a coin 10 times, do I find the Celtics in the finals five? No, I don't. And that's just that's the conversation that we have to have. I mean, yeah, Boston's good, but they're popular at the window. Everybody's betting them. Everybody just watched Jason Tatum light up the All-Star game to 55 points. Everybody's going to bet the Celtics. But, you know, my angle is, look, you can have your Celtics even money. Let me get Milwaukee at 250 or 270. Let me get Philly. If I shop around, I can find Philly 6-7-1 to win the East. Right. How about Cleveland? Cleveland's the best defensive team in basketball right now, Steve. They got Donovan Mitchell. They've got you know good guards, Darius Garland. They got Jared Allen in the middle. I can find Cleveland at 11 to one. The point isn't that the Celtics can't win the East. Obviously, they're favored. Right. But I don't think they should be even money to win the East and go to the finals. It's just it's ridiculous. But then guess what? You know, Julian Edelman walks in, bets 11000 on the Celtics to win the title. All these, you know, dignitaries, Ty Law and Cedric Maxwell, and all these guys are betting the Celtics in Boston, <laughs> driving down the price. And I, awesome. I, can't sit here, I can't sit here and tell you that the Celtics are a good bet, if even money, to go to the finals. It's not a good bet. Yeah, there's a, you know, if you can make it to a different states or you have someone who can go bet, you can find a lot of value, you know, skewed bets in a certain direction in states on the hometown team. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw one out. I'm going to put you on the spot here, throw one out there and put you on the spot here. I saw that we talked about it last week. I don't know if we, we, you and I talked about it, but I know we talked about it with Brad powers that in Pennsylvania, they took an $84 million on the Super Bowl and their hold was like 34%. We our hold in Nevada was 3%. Like I, I, what was going on with the Eagles betters? Like how the hell did this go get so jacked up that Pennsylvania well, it, had such not a, only what was Eagles it? money? It, yeah, it's not the Eagles' money; it's the parlays. It's the parlays. Let's not forget about you know the uh, the ever popular parlays. You know, I mean, same game parlays. I can think of. Yeah, man. I mean, like you know, I know a lot of cats in Philly, New Jersey that make the trip across and, and go into Pennsylvania and make these bets. And not only do they have Eagles, but they had Eagles and over, Eagles and Hertz touchdown, Eagles in in this, Eagles in that, and, and you know those add up. And and we've talked about you know this on your program. Yep. You know, in October of 2022, the state of Illinois collected 44% on parlays. <laughs> like, that's, that's insanity. You know, like, okay, Unreal. let's say 100 parlays were made. That means that only 44 of them won. 
Um, and, you know, that's, that's a big number when you talk about that. And, and, you know, a lot of those parlays are small. They're 10 bucks, 15, 20 bucks. But, you know, to make 44% of your nut on, on parlays is, is insanity. But the problem is, is, is we know, you know, you log on to Twitter or Instagram or whatever, all these books are able to tell you, Hey, look what this same game parlay is going to pay. And I, and I saw this, Do you guys follow Steve Brubaker on Twitter. Now, who is he? Okay, so he's an industry guy. He follows the industry sports book wise. Right. He follows you know all these different books, and and he found that FanDuel was giving you a parlay. They they were cre- not only were they giving you a parlay, they were creating a parlay for you, and it went over twenty five in Ooh. the first twenty five days. Ooh. You know, yeah. and you know it doesn't matter who it is. It could be FanDuel, DraftKings, MGM, PointsBet, whatever. Like the fact that a book can create a bet. And it loses twenty five straight times, and it's like, hey, like, let me come bet this. We'll we'll give you a five dollar bet to win three thousand, and it loses twenty five straight times. That's a little problematic if I'm a consumer, is it not? Yeah, of course. I mean, that, but that's that's gambling in general. If you walk into a casino and they've got a new game, hey, we're going to do a wrinkle on the traditional table game. Nope, not going to play that because you've done the math on it, and in all likelihood, you have a massive, massive advantage. Same thing with these books doing the. Uh, the parlays that they're offering up. Can we close on uh, what I saw you guys doing on Nesson bets with a little baseball and some future talk? I saw you featuring, you know, you guys are heavy on the AL East because of the Red Sox, but I saw you featuring Toronto and you may be a little bit high on Toronto, huh? Yeah. Well, that was the the sexy team going into last baseball season. You know, Randy Bloom and Johnny Murray at the Westgate were like, yeah, all of our wise guys bet us blue Jays to win the division at about 192 to 1 and then they bet us Blue Jays to win the pennant. Now it didn't happen last year, but really they didn't lose much and in fact a lot of those core guys are still in place and you know there are two teams in the AL that I'm just fascinated to watch in 23. The Blue Jays are one because they sort of fell short of expectations and the other team is the White Sox. I mean good lord man, the White Sox were minus 5600 to make the playoffs last year and they didn't make the playoffs, but their win total was 91, 91 and a half. Now their win total is 83 and a half, and they have a lot of those players back. Yes, they lost Jose Abreu, but they also have a manager who doesn't drink his meals through a straw anymore. So, I mean, I would, I would think things are different on the south side of Chicago. So those are two teams where, you know, last season, Toronto and Chicago, very popular over future market, and they didn't live up to the hype. But if you're willing to go back to the well, I think you get a fair shake on both Toronto and Chicago in the American League. So I like going back to the well on baseball by going to the bottom of the win totals list. And I was looking at the Rockies. The Rockies won 68 last year. They're 65 and a half this year. And they did that last year, a terrible year, without Chris Bryant for most of the year. They basically had the same team back, which just sucks for Rockies fans. But uh, the division actually is interesting because I don't know that the Dodgers are in a position this year to freaking pile up, you know, 100-plus wins. So I know it's not the sexiest pick, but I'm probably going to bet over the Rockies at 65 and a half. I'll tell you that? what, you might want to just wait that out because yeah. you might get some 64, 64 and a half because right. the public is not going to bet the over. Uh, that's a team that is certainly down in the eyes of the average gambler. Yep. Um, a lot like, uh, you know, a team like, uh, you know, like Detroit. You know, like I don't think you're going to see many – public betters going over Detroit or Colorado. I don't, you know, I don't feel one way or the other about Colorado, but I'm very happy that you have an opinion this strongly 
in what the middle of February about the Colorado Rockies. That, Why that not? Shows how how in tune you are with your feelings. I love that. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I don't want to wait too long if I lose value on baseball. I'm, here's the thing. I'm trying to get excited about baseball. I like watching your show because you guys are all over baseball. Um, and you know, for me, baseball is exciting because I can play fantasy and I can bet. You know, sorry. Fair works. enough. Fair enough. Uh, also, I apologize for what I said earlier on your show. Uh, that that <laughs> was a Freudian slip. Um, and I think we also next time I come on next Tuesday, we got to talk about this triple zero on the roulette wheel. What is going on with that? I mean, it has changed roulette in Las Vegas, and I don't like it. Sammy, we'll see you. Yep. Yeah, they're they're going to keep adding things that are titillating, but not good for the player. And we and as a group, we keep letting them get away with it. That's just the way it works. If we play it, they're going to offer.